Welcome, travelers of the multiverse, as Fantastic Geek chronicles What If on Disney+. Plus. We are the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is the British variant of Pete. Hello, British Pete. I'm usually a bit more covert. The Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek featuring What If. For episode 101, What If Captain Carter were the first Avenger is brought to you by the Hydra Stomper. Hello from Brooklyn. Pete, just as we were getting ready to record but had yet to press that record button, we were having ourselves a little chit-chat, and then just all of a sudden we're talking about the possibility of more Captain Carter, maybe even in live action. So uh, what are your thoughts there? What is the road ahead for Captain Carter? Well, certainly the discussion with the press junket leading up to the premiere of What If is they would love to revisit uh, uh, Captain Carter, see more Peggy Carter, uh, particularly in live action, Haley Atwell. And, I mean, yes, she has been filming a Mission Impossible movie for 17 years um but it happened in britain uh she's dating which was news to me that matt told me tom cruise it's long been believed tom cruise will be an alternate tony stark in doctor strange and the multiverse of madness what if matt the 30-year shoot on this Mission Impossible sequel was really a stealth combined effort of that movie and a second unit of Doctor Strange. Even if it's just a cameo for Tom Cruise, I think that it's more than possible. Um, Tom Cruise's personal life set aside for the moment. I mean, his dedication to the movies, his dedication towards delivering great movies that he has, you know, where he's an actor, producer, and so forth. Um, that's very, very well known. I even think back, Pete, if you think back to those innocent times of, uh, of Tropic Thunder, no, no, I'm not talking about the Robert Downey Jr. stuff, but just, you know, the fact that it was like, oh man, Tom Cruise can, you know, look unattractive and play a supporting role. Why? Because he read the script and loved the part and said, I have to do this. You know, this is the right part for me, not, you know, a star of the movie and so forth. So I feel like of all the hopes and dreams and rumors and possibilities for uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I feel like Tom Cruise's presence is a good one. And if that then makes it possible for Haley Atwell, Agent Carter or Haley Atwell, Captain Carter to appear, bring it on. Speaking of movies, Matt... Uh, we have some box office information that might help us read the tea leaves about the next Marvel Cinematic Universe entry. Yes, and this might seem like a bunch of unconnected stuff, but stick with me here, everybody. So as we record this on uh, August 14th, uh, it is the second day that Free Guy is out in theaters, that 20th Century Studios no more Fox uh, release, you know, um, Ryan Reynolds and so forth. By the way, Pete, really, really positive reviews for it. Um, it is definitely theatrical only. Um, also in this past week, there was the quarterly, you know, Disney talks to the investors kind of thing. Not the big investor day razzmatazz. Um, 
but you know talking to wall street bob chapek swears that shang chi will be theatrical only for 45 days which is the the new disney wind window stuff is going to be you know theatrical for 45 days and go to disney plus seems to kind of be the new standard window we're back on paramount plus for star trek lower decks and uh paramount has gone to a 45 day window as well uh with a quiet place Two now available on that service yeah and in fact also also in the last week uh warner brothers um reached an agreement with uh one of the major um movie theater cinemark maybe it was um but kind of committing to they're going to preserve the 45 day window in 2022 and moving forward so i would agree pete everybody's kind of like this is the new reality and and this is where there can be peace and not claims pete if you can remember back uh this time last year uh amc will never carry another universal movie again because they released trolls direct to people at the height or the the then height of the pandemic that's right fast and the furious you get no place here at amc a year later fast and furious did its muted box office business theatrical only and so forth but pete in the same wall street um talk here bob chapak also noted flexibility for these things i think that many a lesser article said look bob chapak said quote theatrical for shang chi that's the truth pete that is a truth right now he also said flexibility i genuinely think if free guy comes in with terrible box office numbers you're going to hear some kind of change for shang chi whether it's theatrical for two weeks then disney plus or or disney plus concurrent whatever it is if you can't do Ryan Reynolds in a fun video game movie that presumably everybody from your kid to your grandma could go see, if that's going to bomb due to COVID concerns, why are you going to offer up Marvel to be carved up in a similar way when you can make money off it on premiere? So since we last talked Marvel, Matt... Black Widow has become the 2021 box office champ with $176 million. That does not take into account the last figure I've seen for Disney Plus, which was $60 million, which almost certainly has gone up. Um, Of course, now we have the lawsuit. Uh, Is it possible in the next couple weeks that gets resolved and shang chi which previously had been advertised as exclusively in theaters september 3rd which is now in theaters september 3rd that there's a path forward there i think that if you are a movie studio with a streamer option you're looking at the rise of the delta variant and that's a problem. Um, Shang-Chi scheduled theatrically for September 3rd. That's fine. Uh, starting September 15th in New York City and widely expected soon to follow uh, at an unknown date in Los Angeles, uh, movie goers, along with a lot of indoor, uh, indoor spots, will have to show proof of vaccination. Wait a minute, Pete. Where does... Oh, what's the youngest allowable age someone can be vaccinated in this country currently? I believe 12. 
12. So that's another factor too, which, you know, I read some of these entertainment articles and it's like, come on, entertainment writer, you can do better pulling together some, you know, some disparate details here. Fine. Shang-Chi is going to be out before New York, just to hammer home the point, Pete, New York will be closing its doors to children under 12. And I'm not necessarily complaining. Let's stop COVID before we worry about who, who and when can you go see Hotel Transylvania 4 and so forth. Um, but that's, that's a reality there. So if you're sitting on a property which is wide appeal, do you really want to tell kids under 12, let's fast forward, Pete, are you telling me that children under 12 don't want to go see Marvel's Eternals in November? Because in New York and Los Angeles, they won't be able to. So if you have a digital option, that's actually getting more attractive, not less. In fact, Pete, uh, I'd hate to be the Spider-Man movie with a studio that has no streamer in December. We'll worry about that sky falling at another point. But Pete, you were early on this saying, I think Shang-Chi is going to move to some kind of Disney Plus thing before the 45-day window is up. And uh, I, you know, the the whole spoiler Pete game aside... Uh, <laughs> There's real world factors here, not just in terms of like, oh, let's have people watch stuff on their couch. Do you want this audience to see it? Do you want this audience to pay for it using Disney Premier Access? Or do you just want it to roll on into Disney Plus on uh, October 18th, which I already have circled on the calendar. This one's free to all. I want to be wrong, Matt. Uh, and I want to see this movie as soon as possible. Um, I think it might be important too for me to say I'm not going to a theater in this current atmosphere for this movie. Uh, and I say that as a vaccinated, fully vaccinated individual. So yeah, with numbers climbing, I think given the way things project, there'll be an 11th hour switch. Let's hope. Um, you know, Fantastic Geek will hold off on making that call, but we reserve that right. That it might not happen on September, the weekend of September third, that we're bringing in that podcast. You know, Pete, you and me and our whole listener community will talk Shang Chi at the, at the right time, whatever that right time might be. One other thing I'll mention, Pete, from uh, you know, kind of Hollywood news and stuff. Two financial quarters ago, Disney had Disney and other streamers had below average or uh, subscriber growth was below expectations. Okay. Oh, has the COVID-driven subscriber thing slowed? Okay, fine. Uh, Disney announced above-average expectations for Disney Plus subscriber growth in the last quarter. Pete, what's the biggest thing to be on Disney Plus in the last quarter? What if? How about Black Widow? You know, the same, this source of trouble. Like, I think it's all pointing in the same direction that, that, uh, that spoiler Pete was right all along. When we catch you up on what went down, Earth, June 1943. The Allied armies raced to stop the Red Skull by creating a super soldier. But in another universe, a single choice created a whole new hero. Dr. Erskine asks Agent Carter if she'd be more comfortable in the observation booth, but she prefers to stay with Steve Rogers. 
The Hydra saboteur sets off the bomb and shoots Steve, but Peggy kills him before he can steal the serum. Howard Stark says power levels are dropping and they have to complete the procedure immediately or lose the project. SSR Colonel Flynn orders Steve in, but he's injured. He orders Stark in, who refuses. Peggy grabs the serum and gets into the machine over the protests of the Colonel. She emerges without a need for heals anymore. As Peggy's blood is drawn, Flynn calls the absolute success a failure and a waste of $60 million. He was promised an army and instead he got a girl. He maintains women aren't soldiers and don't fight on the front lines lest they break a nail. Peggy works a heavy bag as Steve rehabs. Then she frisbees a barbell bumper plate into a wall where she's thrown many of them. At least she isn't stuck on a USO tour. Bucky has just deployed with the 107th and they won't tell them where he's going. Peggy's sorry because Steve was meant to end the war, but he says now she will. He was never much of a dancer anyway. In Tongsburg, Norway, Red Skull finds and takes the Tesseract, but Flynn won't risk anybody over a glorified battery. As Peggy drowns her sorrows, Stark gives her an upgraded USO costume and shield. As Dr. Zola rides in a Hydra convoy, Peggy ambushes it, flipping a car and making quick work of the rest. The not-so-fragile Fräulein then flattens a Hydra Hulk before she captures Zola and the Tesseract, which she gives to Flynn and demands a promotion to Captain. Stark knows what to do with the Tesseract and gets Steve ready to join the war effort. Bucky's unit is trapped behind enemy lines in Italy, and Peggy plans on rescuing him so Steve can make good on his promise of a dance. She runs down a motorcycle and crashes the gate to the Hydra compound, springing the 107th. When she radios for air support, Rogers responds in an iron suit to stomp Hydra. The Dame and the Flying Buick make short work of the bad guys. Over a montage of Captain Carter's exploits, Flynn tells the president how proud he is of Peggy and takes credit for telling Stark to build the Hydra Stomper, which Steve decorates and whisks Peggy into combat. She catapults through the cockpit of a Nazi plane before leaping off it and pummeling the propeller of another until Steve picks her back up. As the Red Skull refuses to report to Hitler in Berlin, he explains he will soon summon the champion of Hydra from the stars. As Peggy and Steve attempt to enjoy a drink, Steve asks what it felt like to get the serum. She no longer has to scream to be heard, seen, or even be in the room. Peggy tells him his suit would be nothing without the man inside. They're interrupted by Stark and Bucky. Operation Where Eagles Dare sees Steve slow a train as Peggy and Bucky catch up to try to take out the Red Skull and end the war. 
Peggy saves Bucky from falling by almost ripping his arm off, but the train is booby-trapped and Steve appears lost. Flynn shoes out Stark on his claim the Hydra Stomper was indestructible. Peggy reminds them his name was Steve. She goes to see Zola, who tells her everything, that the Red Skull is plotting to release an interdimensional force that will lead Hydra to world domination. He's taken cover at Castle de Crake in the Black Forest, and Flynn's just lucky to be in the room. Bucky and Stark are in on the mission. Peggy infiltrates the castle and opens the gate. Red Skull uses the regained Tesseract to open a portal, while Bucky finds a captive Hydra Stomper. Tentacles slither through the portal, and Red Skull has arisen the champion of Hydra, which crushes him. Bucky finds Steve and repowers the suit. As Stark tries to shut the portal, Peggy grabs a sword and tangles with the tentacles. Steve arrives and saves Bucky. Peggy pushes the monster back into the portal as Steve watches, leaving behind the Tesseract. Peggy emerges in the future after vanquishing the monster, and Nick Fury asks her to put down her sword. Clint Barton recognizes Captain Carter. The war ended almost 70 years ago. Pete, that alarm brings attention to the fact that a divergence has occurred. Uh, obviously, the change here being Captain Carter. So what else has changed? And would we keep these changes? Would we make it a canonical change if we had the powers of the Watcher or or someone else? Interestingly enough, Colonel Flynn, voiced here by Bradley Whitford, was in the Agent Carter one-shot as Flynn. Um, I kind of like here the uh, inclusion. I mean, you're not going to go out and get Tommy Lee Jones, I guess, to voice a cartoon. Um, haven't seen him in anything lately. I don't know if he's officially, unofficially retired, but it'd be interesting to see uh, that this might continue since we're talking about the possibility of a Captain Carter Going into live action, Whitford remains plenty active. Last saw him in uh, in The Handmaid's Tale. Um, yeah, I would agree with you, Pete. Probably they probably they reached out to Tommy Lee Jones, and he just kind of went Mah, and gave a Tommy Lee Jones look. <laughs> um, it fits here for Whitford. I mean, what's your choice from the from the Agent Carter, um, both character and show from from that whole. You know, from that whole canon, it's either Bradley Whitford or guy with authoritative voice to be Colonel Officerson. You know, I mean, it, it just makes sense here. Um, but focusing on the story as a whole, Pete, I guess here's where I, I'm going to doll about some tough love here towards this episode. Uh, I don't know exactly what I expected, but I kind of had visions of uh, the... Uh, the Psycho remake, you know, what was that, late 90s, early 2000s? I guess I wasn't expecting, you know, when it was like, what if Captain Carter? I guess I really wasn't expecting to get a recap of the first Captain America movie, except Captain Carter. Um, 
it's nice that they did some shot for shot stuff like bursting through the door mm-hmm. where probably if you're Chris Evans's mom, you're like, Hey, that looks like Chris coming through the door. It's just got a Haley Atwell head on it. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say, Pete is I was maybe, I, I dig the message, female empowerment, you know, lucky to be in the room versus elbowing your way in versus, you know, she has a right to be in the room and all of that. But I was a little let down by the, the possibility of asking what if i mean it makes it clear that animation is the venue to do this through had you attempted that in live action it would not have worked in this particular style of animation it really worked for me um you know you again you you ponder the what if you you ponder the different choices here one that a lot of people have questioned how did steve live well yeah look the episode the story kind of wants to have its cake and eat it too in terms of it is a terrible wound that he has uh when he's shot that he bounces right back from uh okay fine maybe he was shot you know in the 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 meat on the side, you know, where it's just, you know, stop the bleeding. Not and so the forth. side meat. <laughs> you know, but oh, okay, like you know that any any time John Wayne was shot in the shoulder, you know, it somehow missed all bone and tendon, and, and just required, you know, a, uh, a a bandana or something to stop the bleeding. Okay, fine, I'll accept that. You know, then kind of similar. I, I don't know. I, I guess I was convinced he was going to get killed off a number of times in this, and. Um, <laughs> And they kind of kept moving the football a bit on it. How are they going to have their dance now that she's jumped 70 years into the future? I mean, if I was watching this without the knowledge that they're really high on this character and that they want to return to it, I have to confess, Pete, have they said for sure Captain Carter will be back in season two? Or is that yes. just, okay. Yeah, she's a, she's a through line between the two. So, fine, we get to we get to see that as an update. That's that's all fine. I, the, all these do not need to be self-contained. In fact, if anything, to make it this kind of, to make it this kind of um, vague, vague notion of the lines dividing them i mean i think pete of fargo where it's like you you could have major or minor characters from one season of fargo appearing in the next you know different actor different time period what are the exact crisscrosses um even in that first season of fargo where it intersects with uh, with the movie and so forth those are all really fun things to do um so I guess, Pete, this is one question where we get to hopefully find out the answer. I mean, right? We, we've seen the entire, thus far, we've seen the entire chronological history of Captain Carter up to coming to the present day. So if we're going to do a sequel one, it's probably not going to be, oh, the other hidden montage mission from World War II. It's going to be something moving forward so we can, we can find the answer to these questions. So Bucky does not fall off the train. His arm was not ripped off when Peggy saved him. So no Winter Soldier? Um, correct. Now, could you... I, I could Is you... that a way that Steve goes forward? Was there some other mission and he became the Winter Soldier? And that's how 
they get the two of them back together? Um, I think that's... A, it's interesting to consider. Do you just... From, from, from merely the writing room, right? Because this is voice acting. It's not, oh man, do we have time for Sebastian's schedule where he's also working for a lot of Disney stuff? You know, of course you can squeeze him in if you want him to record more. Um, Story-wise, do you say... And thus we will just kill off Bucky through old age or, or die in combat in World War II. Okay, that's one option. It's a lot less juicy than a a compelling twist. Because again, I I guess Pete, I feel like this episode the I mean, we kind of knew the twist. Okay, what if Agent Carter became Captain Carter? Okay, that's great. Like I said, it's inspiring, it's aspiring, and so forth. There weren't really a lot of twists and turns in this episode. Um would another Captain Carter episode with Bucky not being old man Bucky in, you know, the, the 2010s, would that be fun? Absolutely. Um, was the monster Hive from Mavith? Boy, I hope so. I, I, I must confess, Pete, I don't remember from some of this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff traveling the stars, battling Hydra of old, Hydra plans going back, you know, tens, nay, hundreds, nay, thousands of years and so forth. I'm a little I'm a little rusty on the details at this point. So I don't know what is Agents of Shield and what is Comic Foundation, but when that portal, here you have a portal, an interdimensional portal, an interstellar portal, whatever it is, it's making me think of some of the some of the the fun times of Agents of Shield. Um, it's making me think of some of that, you know, oh, it was, and I, I know this was true within the MCU as well, but just the idea that like, you know, Hydra has been, been around. Hydra is not this outgrowth of the Nazis, but rather kind of hid, hid within the Nazi organization and so forth. Uh, Pete, it just felt like, felt like a great reminder for those seven imperfect, but adventurous seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. How about the Red Skull being crushed here? So who's with the Soul Stone on Vormir? Um, another good question as well. Let's see. How did Red Skull get there in the original timeline? He it's because he beamed he, away by the Tesseract, right? So I guess I guess it would have to be someone who gets beamed away by the Tesseract. Now we have not seen that in this. What shall we call it, Pete? The Captain Carter timeline is that the way to keep? <laughs> Keep track of it. So in the Captain Carter timeline, we haven't seen that happen yet. So again, you want to return to that at some point. And that's a big if. I mean, it is called what if. Um, if you want to return to that, then whether it's a major character, a minor character, an unknown character, oh man, the Tesseract beams somebody away. Um, I think too, Pete, you know, is, is the emphasis on... AC Bradley and the rest of the what if writing uh, crew uh, is is the weight on them to come up with a fully formed Captain Carter timeline end game alternative. No, maybe at a certain point you sit and go, great, we've been sitting here having having lunch in the writers room, kicking around who's in charge of the Soul Stone. Wait, do we actually need to know that based on what where we're going with the Captain Carter storyline? No, we don't? Okay, then guess what? Uh, wipe hands of it. There, there doesn't need to be an answer. Let's check 
for some messages from the multiverse. Pete, our obligatory Twitter poll. Uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, Pete, I, everything here was in, uh, it, it was rated by number of lions. That's, you know, the British lion. Uh, one lion, Marmite, got 0%. Uh, two lions, Weak Tea, got 3.4%. Three lions, jolly good time, got forty-two percent, and then four lions, bloody brilliant, got fifty-five percent. Uh, we also heard from some listeners, of course. First one up here is Spider Ham Lincoln. That's at Tess LC one three nine. I've been a fan of What If Comics since nineteen eighty one's issue number twenty seven, devouring each issue I could find, new and old. This Marvel Studios series is absolutely wonderful. I love it so much, and it's barely begun. By the way, Pete, that issue to which he was referring is uh, what if, uh, or pardon me, the X-Men ask, what if Phoenix had not died? So um, perhaps a what if that we'll be able to explore when the MCU gets, <laughs> I mean, I know they, ha- they they the rights have now gone to, to Marvel Studios, but when we get MCU X-Men, you know, we'll see. Uh, Jordan Tanner at Mighty Jor said uh the first episode was a lot of fun the first avenger is not my favorite mcu movie and i suspect this episode will not be my favorite of the season fun nonetheless i'm eager to see how the nine episodes connect uh how the show what if connects to the broader mcu we heard from jackie wolf that's at jackie wolf uh, having not read the comics, I still really enjoyed the episode. The animated format meant lots of cool tricks and special effects. It was clever and fast-paced, and I can't wait to see more. Pete, Jackie raises an interesting question. Watching it the second time, I felt like the animation was very tied to um, a, a natural human look. And, I, and I, it had me thinking of, for example, Spider-Verse, where, I mean, obviously those are still humans, but they were able to lean into a little bit more of the the animation, I don't know, a more animated, cartoon animated kind of style to movement there. Did you have any of those thoughts crossing your mind as you watched? I got a little bit of the vibe where they've, like, what was the Keanu Reeves movie, and then they tunified him. There was a Fringe episode where they did that that's what it really reminded me of yes i know the movie you're talking about uh robert Downey jr is in it as well um so personally i would have liked a little bit a little bit less of that um less of that real world um animation style you want to do the designs when not looking real world so be it it doesn't need to be you know like you know like a disney pixar thing but Hey, these are good problems to have. Pete, we heard from JT Adkins. It's at JTA's me. Lots of fun. I enjoyed the animation style as well. Pete, uh, I had not read to his re- read to his message after I spoke with the uh, spoke about the animation style. So I guess JT, I don't know, giving it back to us here. I was in grade school when Star Trek: The Animated Series came out, so I had some familiar voices now embodied and drawn characters. Flashback, all in a good way. Honestly, I find the idea of a multiverse silly and incredibly human-centric. I mean, seriously, my decisions create universes. But that said, the multiverse makes a tremendously fun sci-fi sandbox to play in. And so far, this show is playing in it very well. Uh, Pete, I'll just add, uh, there are real serious, you know, uh, whether they're physicists or whatever, there are are super smart people who would say... Um, there is the math to support that, yes, every decision that you make is creating an entire universe, uh, even, you know, e- even the least among us. So um, 
what if it was true, I guess? Pondered increasingly more, not just by storytellers, but by, you know, people that are experts in such things. It's fascinating to think about, and I think it's even more timely in our entertainment. We heard from uh, what's to fit question mark. That's at K C L Y L E one who says the twists of the story take on the MCU cap uh, story were great right down to saving Bucky. And you could have torn my arm. Oomph. The animation is spectacular. Just beautiful. I uh, can't wait for the rest of the season. By the way, Pete, a lot of the, um, the, the beautiful and the four and the of all uh, using the PH instead of the F. Um, and uh, K-E-C-L-Y-L-E-1 goes on to say, I'd love to see uh, them pull some stories from the actual comics, but the previews make it look like they're dealing with characters mainly from the movies. Uh, we also heard from Andre Yeager, Dr. Polo 1983. 30 minutes is perfect for these episodes. Uh, writing is tight and gets to the point. I could listen to Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher all day. I agree with Andre there. Uh, hope the episodes link together at some point. That would be cool. Uh, we heard from uh, AMC. No, no, Pete, not the movie theater chain. That's Ann Colton AM. Colton M. Uh, really love this episode. It was so fun. And Captain Carter is one kick-ass lady. Bring on more what-if uh, stories. Can't wait to hear your podcast, Fantastic Geek. Uh, we also heard from Jared Showerman. That's at uh, the AV Seal, S-E-A-L. Uh, Girls Can't Fight, They'll Break a Nail Trope, is as tired to me as the incompetent dad who can't run a household when mom is away because he's an imbecile trope. Didn't particularly love this first episode, but open to future stories in this series. Uh, Shuma Goroff confirmed. Uh, LMD Mary, that's at Geek Kirk, uh, said it's set in the 40s. That trope was not a trope. It was a widely held belief. Mm -hmm. Um, And a little bit more discussion between the two of them there. But I think, Pete, I I already used my trope of have their cake and eat it too. I've already used that once in this podcast, but I think that um, the the concern from Jared is a good one. The answer from Mary is a great one. Yeah, and I don't know how you could tell a story like that without delving into that aspect of it. I mean, Flynn does what he has to do. He has to be the uh, sexist, misogynist, and... Uh, You know, obviously, we get the triumphant tale here of Peggy taking on the mantle. That's what it was always about. Pete, what feedback do you have on your end? Steve Adams writes into the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. The first episode of What If was quite enjoyable. It was lighthearted where it needed to be. The voice cast was great. I am always ready for more Toby Jones and Haley Atwell. Ross Marquand sounded eerily like Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull. Fans of the MCU who are unfamiliar with the Cosmic series may not realize that these stories often had a tragic turn in them. I understand you don't really want to do that in the premiere, but I hope the creators work this aspect of the concept into the show. My only real disappointment with the episode was that Peggy was not called Captain Britain. That would have been the icing on this cake. Again, a fun and thoroughly enjoyable first episode, and I am looking forward to next week. Until then, stay fantastic. Spelled with the PH. 
two thoughts there, Pete. First is um, I, and I, I'm, this is not a rumor I'm, that I read somewhere. This is just off the top of off the top of the dome, as they say. Uh, I would bet that they are saving the moniker Captain Britain for a version of the Captain Britain character, which is separate than Agent Carter. Um, maybe that's maybe that discussion was had and word came down. No, no, no. We have plans in 2027 for the Captain Britain movie, TV show, whatever it might be. Let, let's just steer clear from that and make Captain Carter separate from Captain Britain. Um, second thought there was, if you haven't seen Ross Marquand do impressions, uh, he's got some stuff on um, on YouTube. It, it, it's like, they're super short. Like uh, The name of the video is something like, you know voice guy does 37 characters in 60 seconds or something like that and you'll see you know oh it's uh it's uh, robert de niro looking for his keys and you're like okay then he just does the perfect three seconds of robert de niro looking for his keys or whatever it might be like the power all impressionists are really you know i think we all look at it and go oh wow that's so amazing um but ross marquand is incredible and it's not just oh he does a good hugo weaving he does a good 125 people and he's super talented and of course pete none of that comes through on the walking dead where he's playing a you know just a a down the middle character trying to survive in a post-zombie apocalypse uh a gay character with now uh a mace attached to his hand in the final season of the flagship show will he spin off with carol and daryl will he uh, you know, do other work and uh, showcase all those talents. We'll have to see. Well, Pete, these trips to the multiverse, of course, made possible in our multiverse podcast machine, made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek, making sure that all the zips and zoops are possible, especially when it comes to the behind the scenes technology and costs and so forth. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. It takes just a dollar to get you behind that door where we had pretty big multiverse scoop uh, within the last month. You're probably going to want to check out. Can't contribute right now? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Uh, the Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek could always use a quick rating, a review, any of the 20 plus feeds we have on fantastic geek that it certainly helped and of course pete let's keep this conversation going as we explore the multiverse uh we're only what five days away from the next episode so pete how can people be in touch with you on twitter find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,061 followers can't be wrong and while I'm personally on Twitter's Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But Leapy, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P and the H like it today. Well, Pete, for those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back all the way uh, tomorrow as we talk about the season premiere of Star Trek Lower Decks. If you're here just for the What If stuff, We'll be back next Saturday, of course. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Who ordered the calamari?